Today we'll look at Psalm chapter 78, verses 5 through 8. Psalm chapter 78, verses 5 through 8. We're able to put all that on the screen. There we go. Um, let me invite you to read that together with me. Y'all do a great job of reading the scriptures. So let's try to read these scriptures together. Ready? Here we go. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the word of the Lord. The title of today's message came to me, I guess this is some of the 60s and 70s that I lived through, called Teach Your Children Well. Uh, that was a popular song that was on the uh, radio back then. Um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I get saying that, I'm not sure. Uh, but David knows. Is that right? All right, I got that right. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Teach your children well. And that just kept coming to me, and I thought, okay, Lord, I'll go with that. And that becomes the title for these four verses that we're looking at in Psalm chapter 78. And I've divided this two-hour sermon into two little parts, okay? First of all, God has a purpose for your life. That's what we need to teach our children and our grandchildren. If you, if you, if you can ever teach that, the rest will take its place. God will bless your home and your family. Uh, the Bible says to choose today whom you will serve. Uh, Joshua said, uh, if God be God, follow him. But if the God of the Amorites and the Jebusites and all those folks, if he's God, then follow him. But as for me and my house, he said, as for me and my household. Now that ought to give you a clue as to the role and the responsibility that we as fathers have in our homes. We have the responsibility under God to be the spiritual leaders of the family. Men, that's our job. That's our role. That is our assignment. I'm, um, I'm, I see so often young people grow up thinking that church is for girls. Church is for women. And the men are in the background somewhere and they don't do a whole lot. Uh, you don't see them teaching children much. Um, and, and I would encourage some of you men to really consider teaching preschool and children. If all you have to do is just show up and be in the room. Can I get an amen to that? Just show up and be in the room because your absence from the room when all the teachers are female says that church is for sissies. Church is for girls. And boys feel like, well... You know, where's the guy? Where's the man? And that's the problem in society we're facing today. Where's the man of the house? Where are you? Why are you not tending to your God-given responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your home? I want to applaud the wives and moms that are here today, and um, your husbands are not here. I want to applaud you. I want to applaud. I know that's a special challenge. 
and I want to applaud you. Your courage, and I do that every year no matter where I am because I've seen this trend all the ministry, all the years that I've spent as, as a pastor. But um, I'd like some of you grandfathers to seriously give some consideration to being a presence in a child Sunday school class. And I know you'll pass the, the, um, the form we have to uh, fill, the background check that we have to do, because you're a godly man. And I know you're saying, well, I had my turn 30 years ago. I'm going to leave it up to somebody else. No, it is still your turn. It is still your job. I don't buy that stuff. That's baloney. Do you not care anymore? Got y'all's attention, didn't I? If you can teach your children that God has a purpose for their life, you will have done well. Teach them that, number one, you're not an accident. You're not an accident. You might have been a surprise, but you're not an accident. That way you're saying to them, God loves you and I love you. I didn't say that enough to my boys. I wish I'd said it a million times more. I wish I had demonstrated it a million times more. But give all that you've got and bring home that message that you are loved. Now, I grew up being the youngest in the family, and I didn't know how to reach back and help somebody younger in my family to grow up. So I had very little parenting skills in the sense of helping a little brother or sister, you know, get their act together and supervise them. I was always supervised by somebody else in my family. So it was a real challenge for me. And I remember many, many times when I didn't know what to do with my two boys. I didn't know how to teach them. But God just kept saying to me, let them know they're loved, they'll be okay. Just let them know they're loved. Let them know they're important. Let your children know that you count and that you matter to me. And, of course, our boys went through everything that your children go through in terms of the world and trying to deal with the challenges of the world. Um, I remember one time we had this conversation in our home. Would we, one of our sons asked us, would we still go to church, Dad, if you were not the pastor? That's a good question. And uh, I kind of stuttered, and my sweet wife, Linda, pulled me out of the fire, and she said to one of our sons, this is what we do, whether your dad was the pastor or not. This is just what we do. I grew up that way, and I thank God for that. My brothers and I were recounting how we appreciate our dad today. And uh, dad struggled to make a living for our family. He failed at one business, did well in another. And, um, but he really struggled hard to provide for the three boys who never could get enough to eat, just couldn't get enough to eat. And um, so we were proud of our dad. But one thing he did teach us was we belong in church on Sunday. We belong in church whenever the church door was available to be opened. And church was fun for me. I loved it. I loved being there. Partly because I lived on the dirt road down in the woods in Louisiana. Bus driver had to drive back down the dirt road to get me and to, to bring us all to school. First kid to get on, last kid to get off. And I was just glad to be with people. You know, just, hey, there's other people in the world besides pine trees. But seriously, I loved church as a child. But the men showed up for Sunday school. 
And I want to lay that challenge out to you. We need more teachers. And men, you don't have to be the, the lesson teacher. You being a warm body, a warm presence is powerful. Powerful, powerful. And what you're saying is, you matter. You matter. And that's the question all students are asking themselves. That's what Secret Church is about c- coming up. The theme is, who am I? Who am I and what's my purpose in this life? Just like in this passage of Scripture, uh, the psalmist says, He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded to our fathers that they should teach them to their children. God has a purpose for His nation, Israel. They were to be a light unto the other nations. And the way we are to be a witness for Christ among the, um, uh, uh, all the other nations of the world that were ungodly and did not know Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, was to take in the Word of God and pass it on to our children. That's how you did that. And the, the man of the house was the spiritual leader to spiritually feed his family so he could spiritually lead his family. Now that's just too cool to let it pass by. The role of the father was to be the spiritual uh, uh, leader of the family so he could be spiritual uh, leader of the family. He was to take in the word of God so that the word of God could guide his family. And so our purpose in life now is to bear witness to the presence and power of God by passing it along to the next generation so they can pass it along to the next generation after them. Now, how many of us are perfect at doing that? I'm not. I claim no guide to being the perfect parent because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. However, Amanda Adelman writes these words. We live in, under God's grace, the umbrella of God's grace to do parenting. Whether it be grandparenting, parenting, or parenting, parenting. Grace is that invitation to let go of the guilt and the shame when we shall, fall short of being perfect. Our job as a parent is that a shepherd leading them to the truth, not to create perfect tiny humans. So... Don't you love it when you take your children to Walmart or you take them to Kroger or whatever grocery store you go to and they're acting out. And you don't want anybody to know. We're just hushed. We don't want people and all that. We're like that, you know. Uh, the, the kids will embarrass you in public, won't they? Well, folks, they're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And anybody else who doesn't understand that is not a real parent. I'm going to guarantee you that right now. Grace is what we live under, men. Parents, the grace of God. Grace allows us to be freely authentic and vulnerable and honest with our family. Hear this. Hear it clearly. When our children see us learn from our mistakes, we're teaching them the skills to do the same. They know when we mess up, they know when we make mistakes. And when we are learning from our mistakes, we are teaching them to do the same. We are building skills in our children. When our children see that we are honest, they learn to do the same. When children see that we can be resilient, they're learning to do the same. When children see our greed, they're learning to do the same. When children see us 
lying and telling stories, they're learning to do the same. Because you see, they look at us like gods when we're infants and one-year-old. Two-year-old, they begin to say no and separate themselves from us, and then they kind of find their own way through life. But they still need your presence and your guidance. Speaking of the 60s and the 70s, Harry Chapin wrote that song, Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, The Little Boy in the Blue and the Man in the Moon. It starts out by saying, My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be like you. You know I'm going to be like you. That song echoes in my memory, and there's a lot of truth in there, that we men, we, we gain our identity from what we do for a living. Um, you know, when women get together, they talk about, uh, a lot of times they talk about what they're wearing, what color this, that, and how, the purse, how pretty that is, and how your hair looks, and men don't do that. But we talk about what we do for a living. And uh, so often I would say, well, I'm a pastor. No, I'm Tom Curry, and God's called me to be a pastor, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a pilot. I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. We describe ourselves by what we do for a living. The challenge there is not to let our work become our identity. Not to let our work become our, our, our identity. When we do that, we tend to forget our responsibility God's given us as the husband and as the father and the grandparent in the family as well. And so we begin to sacrifice that precious cargo that God's given us called our, our spouse, our children, our friends, our church family. We sacrifice all that for what we do for a living. Someone who's become a good friend of mine is Dr. Bill Holmes. Dr. Bill Holmes was a pediatric neurologist in Louisville. And uh, he found himself breaking away from family, church, being the deacon in the church, etc., and investing himself in his practice. So much so that he quit playing golf. He quit doing things in the church. He quit this and that, all for the practice. And he became a superhero in Louisville for the families who needed his craft, who needed his skills, and he lost his identity in that practice. A crisis came along, a medical crisis in his life, and he had to take a reassessment and do some resetting, and he's written a book because he became a chaplain. He literally gave up the practice of medicine in order to be a chaplain in the hospitals. And he regained his identity and regained his family and regained his place in the community and the church because he realized that he had become what he was doing for a living, for his trade, if you will, for his professional job. One of the things that led him to do that was, he said, you know, as a doctor, I would go in and all this training I had and uh, these children that needed me the most, 
parents needed me the most and it and just seemed like nothing would change and he said when a minister came in he said the waters parted like the red sea and he said i didn't have that kind of power with my clients with my patients with those families and so he's a minister of the lord now well teach your children teach them well by teaching them that God has a purpose for your life. He loves you, and you are important. And the way to say that you are important is not to abandon your family, but to invest in them with your time and your presence. Remember, we spell love T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. The second thing we need to teach our children is that God has not only a purpose for your life, but a plan. Look in verses 7 to 8. That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. God's path for us to follow is called discipleship. And discipleship means we trust the one we follow. We mimic, we act like, we imitate the one that we follow. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. And we have confidence in Him, number one, is our Savior and our Lord. We have confidence in Him that He will not abandon us or lead us astray. He will always lead us into righteousness and, uh, and, and goodness, and He will never hurt us, but always be there for us. We should put our confidence in God and not forget what God has done, the works of God. This is the path that we follow called discipleship. And then he said, but not be like our, uh, our fathers um, that was stubborn, rebellious, a generation that did not uh, have its heart for God and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I always thought, I always thought that each generation would live and then pass along those lessons to the next generation and the next generation would learn from this generation and then, you know, the world would get better and better each generation along. I really thought that for a long time. And now as I got to older, I realized that every generation's got to learn it all over again. Every generation's got to learn the lessons that the other generation uh, did not learn. Now I'm going to tell you, as a child growing up in the 60s, um, that seemed to be a period of time where morals and values just went out the window. Now, there was a revival that came along called the Jesus Movement during that period of time on campuses and college and so forth. But uh, this is the era of uh, pop music. This is the era of drugs. This is the era that continues on today. And we are reaping the whirlwind today. We really are. And so every generation needs to consider what the past gener- how the past generation messed up and said, I don't want to be like that when we follow Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and we stay on that road and stay on that path of discipleship, we learn from the, from the generations of Scripture the errors they made, the potholes they stepped into, so that we don't do the same thing. And I would ask us the same, this, to consider this question. If my path of discipleship right now, think about your path of discipleship, where you are right now in your relationship to Christ and how well or how not so well you're following Jesus. If the path of discipleship that you are on 
would the people following you know that you are a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ? Give that some thought. Give that some thought. I've come to learn that God blesses the home that is Scripture-fed and Spirit-led. Scripture-fed and Spirit-led. So this path of discipleship means that we are to get to know Jesus personally. The best thing, Dad, Grandpa, you can do for your family is to walk with Jesus personally. A disciple really does become like his teacher. Secondly, we are to grow with courage and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the closer we follow Him, the more confidence we have in Him. And the more we trust Him, the more He blesses us in return. So if we can teach anything to our kids and our grandkids, we are teach them, number one, to get to know Jesus personally. Let them see you pray. Let them hear you pray. I hope that when you gather for a meal on Father's Day as a family, please, men of the house, pray a prayer. Now, I've been teaching you the Lord's Prayer Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. If it's just the Lord's Prayer, that's all you need. You know? I remember we was at the house one Thanksgiving. We had a host, hostess there. She said, I want to pray before we get started. And she prayed, Lord, thank you for this pizza. We're about to eat some, she said. You know, it can be simple like that. It doesn't matter. But let your children see you pray. Let your children watch you read the Bible. How many of you are doing that? Well, it may be too late for your children. Um, I didn't do that a whole lot with my kids. I wished I had. My Bible reading was in the office at, at uh, church. Really? I wish they had watched me read that Bible more. But when they see that is a discipline that you have, they want to be like you. They really do want to be like you. They admire you. They respect you. They may act goofy. You know, they may be in their world, and uh, you think they're not listening, but they're watching very, very carefully. Um, if they are listening while you are listening to uh, a sermon on the radio or, or the computer or the music you listen to in your car they're they're learning from you and they want to be like you so help them to get to know jesus personally and then help them grow with courage and confidence in the lord as you grow in courage and confidence in the lord and most of all and i want to applaud you men that are here today be a finisher be a finisher Stay with your faith in the Lord. Stay with your presence in the house of God and be a finisher. Don't be divorced in the church. You need the church. You need the fellowship of Christian friends. You need to hear uh, the word of God sung and praising of the Lord. None of us survive as Lone Ranger fathers. We need the people of God. So hang in there with the Lord and be a finisher. <clears throat> be a finisher. <clears throat> and realize too in verse 8 that our discipleship is a spiritual battlefield. Uh, we studied that in Sunday school day. There is spiritual warfare going on in all of our lives. And um, uh, some guy said, you know, spiritual warfare is like having 
having two hound dogs. You know, it's just whichever one you say sick them to the most, whether it be the spirit of God or the spirit of, of the flesh of this life. Which one are you yielding to? Which one are you uh, letting guide you? I heard uh, uh, or read rather where uh, Max Lucado, some of you read after Max Lucado, he wrote an article one time um, about a, a competition back in the paddle wheel days, the old paddle wheel boats, you know, kind of like the Bell of Louisville up here. Back in the old days, down around Memphis, Tennessee, down the Mississippi River, uh, these paddle wheel boats would take on their cargo, <clears throat> and they'd kind of put, 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 put their way down the Mississippi River, and they would end up at New Orleans. And he said, uh, one time at Memphis, Tennessee, these, these two paddle wheel boats, they all had their cargo, they had their load that they were carrying, you know, wood, furniture, all kinds of things. And uh, they kind of both wheeled, you know, shoved off about the same time. And, and uh, the guys that were running the paddle wheel boats began to tease each other. And as they teased each other, it got kind of heated between the two of them. Down they go with the river. They had plenty of, you know, coal on board to get them down to New Orleans. And uh, so down they go, they get to, all of a sudden there's a race going here between the two paddle wheels. One take the lead and the other get behind. And then the other take the lead and the other get, get behind. And then they begin to holler at each other and the race was on. And the race was on to, to New Orleans and who was going to get there first. And the one that lagged behind the most decided that we'd just take some of our cargo and put that in the boiler and, see, and it worked. Man, that thing fired up like the coal did. So he started throwing the cargo onto the end of the boiler. And all of a sudden, he caught up with the other one. And they both, and he, and he won, and he made it down to New Orleans before the other boat did. He won the race, but he lost his cargo. And I apply that to the challenge of being a father today. Who are you competing against, Dad? Are you sacrificing your cargo for whatever spiritual battle that's taking, getting the best of you? Have you forgotten that your precious cargo is your family, your friends, your church, relationships in the community as well? Have you abandoned those relationships in order to win at something else out there? I've never known anybody that retired from a good career that said, I wish I spent more time at work. In fact, uh, we had a lot of GE guys at my church in Louisville, and, and they'd work 35 years and draw retirement. And the, the goal was to spend 35 years in retirement so they could get back the years they gave to GE. What are you sacrificing? What are you giving up? What cargo are you burning in order to win some world's trophy that doesn't last? It's time to reconsider and reset. It's time to let Jesus be Lord of our lives and dads take this responsibility seriously. And I really, I want to, I want to, do this again. Some of you men, yeah, you used to serve, but you're not. You're just sitting now. Consider being a presence in a children's class during Sunday school here. We've got vacation Bible school coming up as well. Consider being a presence. I'm pumped and excited about Sunday school. Hey, I'm old. I'm 68 years old. 
And I'm excited about what the students are going to get and what they're going to learn. Uh, Tracy calls them walkers. You know, you kind of walk the kids from one class to another, that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of things you can do, men. Men, we need your presence. God needs your presence. Your family needs your presence. Will you surrender Him and let Him be the Lord going forward? Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank You for Your Word that challenges us and gives us grace. We don't do this parenting thing perfectly. And we didn't raise perfect kids. But we do have Your grace. And we pray, God, Your blessing upon all the dads that are listening now and will listen to this message. And God, you'll give them a special grace to surrender to your Holy Spirit and say, I give my life to Jesus. Or I renew my relationship with the Lord today. I pray, Lord, you'll have your way in this invitation that Christ be honored and glorified by the decisions that will be made now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.